0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's going on, everybody? This is Marcus coming at you again for another episode of the Black Married and Debt Free podcast. We're here for part two of the story regarding the acquisition of our fifth rental property. But before we get into the second half of this story, do us a huge favor and leave us a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to this on. Uh, We really appreciate it. Uh, We would like to thank all of those who have been leaving five-star reviews. Uh, We really appreciate it. So thank you so much. Um, So yeah, let's get right into it. So when we left off last You know, we had just met with or spoke with our real estate agent and she presented a counter offer to the seller because there were some repairs that were, you know, had that had come up during the inspection. So we agreed to a addendum of the purchase agreement. So the purchase agreement was originally for $62,000 and then we signed an addendum for $52,000 and it was an as is transaction. So meaning they weren't going to make any repairs. Now we had previously already agreed to terms on them paying for the closing costs. So that was still in play. All we did was change the purchase price. Now, like I said, we were, you know, kind of getting our ducks in a row in regards to having, those items looked at and fixed so we were already kind of on point with that we had people scheduled to take a look at the hvac we had a company scheduled to look at the plumbing and also we mentioned the bathroom floors needed some work so we were going to have the we we found out that the floors weren't damaged they were just very dirty so we were going to try to have those deep cleaned And then, you know, see if, see what needs to be done. So we had all that scheduled out for when I was supposed to be in town, which was, is going to be actually in December. Um, So early December. So we had all that ready. And so we, once we do any addendum or once you do, you know, come to terms on a purchase price, you immediately let your lender know. So now we're going to really be talking about the lender here. So we've gone with Wells Fargo for like our last three properties. And then our HELOC was with Wells Fargo. So we have developed a good relationship with Wells Fargo, a good working relationship. Um, Are they perfect? No. Um, We recently actually got to do a sit down, which I'll, That will come up later in this episode, but we got to do a sit down with Wells Fargo and they're lending. I guess the head of lending and uh, we just had like kind of like a town hall conversation Um, that episode actually was here. I actually uploaded the episode on our podcast um, a few episodes ago, so make yourself familiar with that if you haven't already. So like I said, we had a good working relationship with Wells Fargo. Uh, like my real estate agent said, whoever is going to get you to close, go with them, right? Um, a lot of times an agent works well with a particular lender. So you want to take that in consideration. You know, a lot of agents definitely want you to come to them with like your lending in place, you know. You can't really shop for a home. You can't really get an agent's attention if you haven't already confirmed your buying power. You know, if you if you're not pre-approved, uh, an agent is not going to take you serious. You can't really go view homes like that if you don't, if you haven't been pre-approved, which means you had to have already contacted a lender gotten pre-approved for a certain amount of money and now you can go to your agent and say I can spend X amount so a lot of times an agent will will appreciate that you did that but then also say hey I have this lender that I happen to work closely with would you mind you know applying with them maybe they can get you even maybe they can even get you a better interest rate you know so sometimes that is is not a bad idea to do in this case our agent was like hey we close with the first we close with wells fargo on the first house we close with wells fargo on the second house let's just do it with the third house because i did go to her and say this you know to see if she knew or had access to anyone that maybe there was a you know a better working relationship you know as far as lending was concerned and she said no you know wells fargo they they, whoever gets you to close is, is is someone you should stick with so And I happen to like the portal and the process with Wells Fargo. Sometimes it's a bit arduous and inconsistent. I will say that because, you know, there's been instances when they like are asking for more documents during the the approval process and heading into close. You know, we need you to get us this. We need you to get us that. And it's like, okay, I get it. But then there's been also times where they didn't they weren't as stringent on. We need this. We need that. So it's just like we all figure it out. But the thing of it is, is every time you you're dealing with a different. You're dealing with different people every time you you go to start the the lending process, you may be dealing with a whole different underwriter, you know, or a whole different, you know, lend you know person that you're working with. So everyone's a bit different. So it's always kind of like a, you know, it's, it's like a life like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get, when, you know, with every transaction. So for this transaction, you know, when you agree to terms, you send your lender the document and they start escrow. Right. We're all good. We agreed. So we had already done that and now we had made this addendum. So now we sent in the addendum which is a change that a term that we've all agreed to. So now we've ended the contract from sixty two thousand to fifty two thousand. So we did that, sent that in, boom Wells Fargo says got it start so now the numbers change, right The down payments changes now because now, we're not taking out as much. We're not we're not doing conventional loan for sixty-two thousand. We're doing a conventional loan for fifty-two thousand. So now your down payment is changing, the closing costs are changing, and so you know, through this process, when dealing with Wells Fargo, you're gonna get a lot of disclosures, a lot of lock this in, sign this. Every day you're getting new documentation as you go further in the escrow process. Now, this to a lot of people this is the worst part about buying a house. Um, you're excited to do a few things. You're excited to shop, right? That's always fun. Who doesn't, I mean, who doesn't like to shop? That's how a lot of us got to the debt we're in because it's just fun to shop. You get the dopamine hits every time. And so you're excited to do that. Then once you find something and you put an offer in and you get that offer accepted, you're excited about that oh man, I'll just go. This is it. It's going to be my house. But you have a process called escrow that can take anywhere from. I've seen it done in 12 days. I've seen it done in, in 60 days. Uh, But usually it's somewhere right around 30 to 45 days where you're turning in documentation, W-2s, pay stubs, um, proof of insurance on this property, um, leasing agreement on that property. Why did, wh- why were your, was, was your credit run at old Navy? Can you write us a letter saying that you didn't buy up the old Navy store? You just had your credit ran. And so they ask you for so many things. And to a lot of people, this is the part where they're like, I, 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 I this is why this isn't for me. For me, I love it. Cause it's like this, you're leveraging your credit to build wealth. Okay. They're giving you money that you are that you are going to flip and essentially make money from. Well, due respect, they have the right to ask you for whatever, because they're on the hook. You're leveraging their money to make money and to buy this, this income producing asset or to help buy this income producing asset. It's fair exchange, you know, for them to be, to ask you for this. And I need, we need that. And we need that. So I, I don't get really upset when they're asking for this document again, and that document again, but it can be become frustrating. So with this particular transaction, usually they'll dispatch, The first part of escrow is them dispatching out someone to do the appraisal, right? The dreaded appraisal. And usually that's what takes the longest um, because during this, this pandemic, you know, it was, they were, it was hard for lenders to dispatch agents out to go appraise the property. So they were doing things like drive by appraisals or they were doing comp appraisals where they would just go online and see comps in the area. And so we've experienced some of all of that. Well, this one in particular was a bit different. This was a appraiser that actually entered the property and didn't an expect an inspection as well. We had no idea this was happening. So this is when the controversy starts to starts to come into this story. So, We get the appraisal back. After some weeks, weeks of waiting, we get it back and they say, unfortunately, we won't be able to lend you the money for this property until these items are fixed. Whoa. We had never gotten that from Wells Fargo before. Um, Like I said, our previous properties had a different type of appraisal process and we never experienced an appraiser going in and pretty much doing an inspection so what he what red flagged his inspection were the same things that red flagged our inspector and understand that when you're in a due diligence period going back to last week's episode and you dispatch an inspector that's on your dime that's at your cost So now our lender is doing their due diligence before lending us the money. And they have a gentleman. You want to make sure the property. And this is why an appraiser appraisal is important, because they want to make sure they're they're not lending you one hundred thousand dollars for a house that's worth twenty thousand dollars. Right, because that's bad business on for them. So they usually send an appraiser out to make sure that your purchase price is on par with the worth the value of the home, which they use their metrics to determine. So they sent out a gentleman that actually accessed the home, went inside the home, looked at the different things and he saw that the pipe under the, the sink was not attached. He saw that the heating or the HVAC unit was quote inoperable. He saw some of the other little things and because of those things, we got pretty much told until these items are fixed, we're not going to lend you the money. So now. We're we we didn't like that. And I'll tell you why we didn't like that. Because one, we were unaware that they would be doing a full blown inspection. We had never heard of them doing anything like that. If it's an appraisal, you usually walk the perimeter of the property. You usually are running your, your competitive numbers and assessing neighborhood, you know, but to go in and do an inspection, we were kind of taken aback by that, you know? And a lot of times, man, they, like I said, they're inconsistent. So this has never happened before. Why is it happening now? The next time we do it, will it happen? Probably won't. So it's just like, that's why people get frustrated when it comes to home purchases and lender practices, because they can do different things and just tell you, well, this is what we do. This is what we do. And you're like, like, how how do you know that that's true or not? You just have to kind of take their word for it. And so we were we were we were frustrated. And so we pushed back and, and we wanted to escalate it because we knew one this is a great, this is a freaking steal. That's why we, you know, we excited to drop the price to 52,000. We knew we were going to, the cash flow spread on this was going to be crazy. And so we knew we wanted the house and we knew that the lender was done making repairs. They were just done. They were selling it as is. And as is means just that. That means you can't go back to the lender and uh, to the seller and say, can you fix X, Y, Z? They're going to say, no as is so we were looking at potentially having to walk away from this house you know and that's what happens a lot of times when you see a house pending on like uh, Zillow or something like that and then you come back and it's for sale again well it's because lending fell through and in and, and situations like this is, is how lending falls through you know nope we're not going to give you the money for this because X and you're like but you've never done that before. You know what I mean? So we escalated it, y'all. I'm going to keep it a 1,000 with you. We, we, we name dropped. Yeah, we name dropped. Sure did. And I think in a black community, we don't do that enough. We don't do that enough. Now, we're not trying to get nobody in trouble. We're not trying to be unprofessional. We weren't trying to get the homie hookup. You know, nothing like that. But when you have access to people, or have had access to people, or have had, you know, been in certain rooms, and you can pull that card, you could pull out the big joker for my uh, spades players out there. Then, 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 then you pull the big joker. You know what I'm saying? You slam the domino on the table. So, us having somewhat of a relationship with Well Fargo, we, tr- we, we escalated it and we put a name out there now i'm not gonna say that name here on this podcast but we put a name out there and let them know that we were we, we 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 wanted to know why this was why this had never happened and why this is happening now and here's the thing here's the ins and outs of the fix these are these are this is about a 1500 hundred dollar fix because the appraisal appraiser actually put an estimate on what the repair cost for these items would be. So you got to understand our point of view. If we go to the seller and tell him, Hey, you just gave us a $10,000 discount on something that you could have fixed for a thousand dollars. Don't you think he's going to come back and may want to change that price? May say, Hey, yeah, I'll fix it. But, but we, but we got to renegotiate this price. So, We don't want them to know that it's a simple fix a and B they've already expressed. I'm not in the fixing business anymore with this house. This is an as is deal. So our, we're waiting to hear back and we heard, we hear back from a high ranking uh, person at Wells Fargo. And we, it was obviously flagged because of the name that we dropped. Cool. That's what we want. You know, There are other ethnicities that do that. You know what I mean? And it works well for them sometimes. So we tried it. So the high ranking official gets back to us. They let us know, hey, this has been escalated. And uh, we're looking into it. We usually don't, historically, we don't reverse these, these, uh, these things. Like we we usually kind of stand firm on this and recommend that they're repaired, but we are looking deeper into it. And the mere fact that this is a thousand dollar fix, we may just say, Hey, and, and like we let them know, we have the people in place to fix it. Once we close, once the property is ours and our responsibility, we're going to have this fixed. So we let them know that and we went round around for a day or so, and they finally got back to us. And of course it wasn't good news, right? It wasn't good news. They said, "Hey, unfortunately, is this is what it is, and uh, we can't really change it." And, and and so we pushed back. You know, it, it it was some it was some interesting conversations. But at the end of the day, man, when you're dealing with the lender, you're playing their game, and so you have to understand that, and you have to you have to know, hey, either I'm just gonna walk away, or I'm gonna find new lending, or I'm just gonna you know kind of do. You're at their mercy, so I began to get into you know start processing well what's what's our next move and so for me, I reached out to my real estate agent, she was aware of what was going on and i and I said, hey, if we is there a way for us to do the repairs, even though this isn't our home right now, but can we do the repairs early at our cost?" And so she began to kind of work things out and reached out to the, she said, that shouldn't be a problem. I'll facilitate it. I was like, cool. So even better, she said, let me reach out to the seller to see if he knows a guy. So she's reaching out to the seller and say, hey, uh, my, there's a repair that needs to be made. My buyer's going to make the repairs. We just need to access the home. And do you happen to know a guy? He said, Yeah. Not only do I know a guy, I'll give you the guy who flipped the house for me. I'll give you my team. And so it just that worked out so well. Like I had no idea it was gonna work like that, because a lot of times, you know, you're talking about entering and doing a house that you that's not even your, you know, making a fix or a repair or, you know, doing some alteration on a home that's not yours. So I wasn't really sure how the seller would feel about that. But at the end of the day, the seller wants to want this thing to go to close. And so everyone was kind of on one accord during this transaction, which was which was cool. And so now he knows (laughs) he's given his team is giving me a quote on what it's going to cost to make these repairs, which was under a thousand bucks. So he knows he could have made this repair for a thousand bucks, as opposed to dropping that price, 52,000, but some weird way it didn't raise a red flag. And he was cool with doing that. So it worked out. Um, I, I used this unfortunate scenario to kind of push back on Wells Fargo and say, Hey, we're going to figure out a way to work around. But what you all need to do since, y'all, since you all since you are putting us through this, you need to expedite the the appraiser that comes out to recheck things. I can't wait two weeks for you to send out another appraiser to check our fixes because I had already scheduled flights to be out there to, um, you know, view the home and hotels and all this stuff. And I'm trying to make this deadline. Uh, word to the wise sidebar the home, homes never close when they're supposed to like so just prepare for that if you're going to close and then go see the home or if you're trying to schedule so you could like sign you know travel to sign the papers in person like it never works the schedule never works out as intended it hasn't yet for us so just know that and so what we like to do is we like to close remote and then schedule, you know, two weeks out, three weeks out of the time, the projected closing time. We like to come like two weeks after that. So there's no conflict. So we still had a little cushion. You know, if we still close by this time, I like it doesn't mess up my trip, you know. So we pushed back on them to expedite the process. And they, they, they gave us their word that they would pay, pay the extra, whatever it took to get the appraiser to come out next day. So, long story longer, this process took about two days. They fixed, they made all the repairs. They sent us the invoice. We paid the invoice, all with the beauty of using our cell phone. And they had the appraiser come out. The appraiser came out, checked the property, um, and everything worked out in the end. So... With that, the closing attorney, uh, I've shared before that in you know many states, they close with attorneys. Now, I know here in California we close with um, not attorneys, but we we close with title companies, you know, but they close with attorneys out there, and so the attorney, Set up a notary to come to our home. We signed the papers here at the house. Got all the documents. Took about thirty minutes. Boom! The notary FedExed the documents to the attorney's office. There, they got the the documents next day. The next day, I went and dispersed the cashier's check for the total closing costs, which was. The twenty percent down payment plus um, plus some closing costs because, like I stated in the last podcast, when you're getting a loan for such a low amount, you're there. The seller can only contribute a certain percentage towards closing, and so there was a little left over for us to pay. But all in all, we were, came out of pocket thirteen two. So $13,200. And we got a home for $52,000. That's a three-bed, two-bath. And the projections on the rental income are anywhere from 900 to to $1,000 in this area and with this type of home. So, and those projections are, like, used with, like, uh, Zestimate. Zillow's estimate calculator, some other rental estimate, um online calculators. And so they're never a hundred percent accurate. So I like to just take take a hundred dollars off. So like if the lowest is nine hundred, just I'll take off and say eight hundred, you know, just to put my mind at peace and say as long as I get this, I'll get X. So, but that's just me. So our monthly payment with principal interest. And insurance and what we like to do and what you'll need to do. Uh, another part of the escrow process and all the to do things that you have when you're in escrow is getting a. Getting a. Insurance policy on your home, so we like to use an umbrella insurance policy. Um, so that pretty much covers the home. And we did that through we, we use state farm for all of our rental properties. They're, they're really good. They have good rates and uh, solid people there. So we, you have to kind of get that in place. You reach out to your insurance provider in that area. You tell them about the home and then you connect them with your lender and then they do what they do. They do their dance. And now that quote that you got from your insurer is applied to the payment and worked into your principal interest and insurance. And so with, for us, when it's all said and done with principal interest and insurance and our interest rate was 5%. Now five for a rental is good. We have pretty good credit, but it's not as good as it's been because with the more we, more properties we acquire um, that interest rate changes and you know, interest rates just aren't as low as they were. So this one was five percent. Just to kind of give you an idea. So with all that said, our monthly payment is three hundred twenty-two dollars. And like I said, we can potentially command nine hundred dollars in rent. Low end eight hundred. So you're looking at a, s you're looking at a net of I'm not good at math, but let's see here. Three twenty-two. Minus 800. I'm sorry. 800 minus 322. I'm really typing this in guys. I'm not, I'm like, I'm not joking. I'm not good at math. $478. So that's a really good spread. Now, if we were to rent the house for $900, we'd be netting 578, which is crazy, which is insane. So that's cash flowing. Don't have to do anything. Minus management fees. So that's kind of an idea of a breakdown. A small short breakdown of like what we do and 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 really what happened with the acquisition of this house. We closed on long, let's see. Well, by the time you're hearing this podcast, we closed probably two weeks ago. And uh yeah, man, I mean it's been great. It was a good experience other than that hiccup. Uh, we tried to we tried to use the name drop thing. It didn't really work for us. We're gonna keep it one hundred. We are not gonna act like we 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 just got all the clout in the world. But we did try, you know. And I encourage you leverage those relationships if you can. But sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. I think it worked because we had their ear. And so when I had a request them to speed up a, a process that usually takes two weeks, they were able to do it in a day. So, you know, we got something out of the deal. But uh, yeah, so that was house number five. Um, We went back and looked at our 10 year plan and we weren't supposed to acquire our fifth rental until the end of 2023. And we were required at the end of 2021. That's three homes for this year. Man, we had it just blew our mind that we were able to do this. But that's why I think it's good to always write down your goals and your visions, write down your plan. When it comes to real estate, everyone gets excited off the first house, one house. And that's good because you want to prove to yourself that you can do it. But you also want to have a plan in place to scale because it doesn't really move the needle until you're able to scale these homes. And so. We're excited, we're excited for the future, we're excited for this acquisition, and we're excited for you because we believe that us sharing our story now, we just two regular Joe Schmo, I'm a high school graduate. Shira is a, a lot smarter, um, but we're just two regular people, man. We don't. N- neither of us have a six figure, nine to five. Okay, we just have a a hustler's mentality, and we we were blessed to be able to pay off our debt, which really that's why we're called Black Mary debt free. Um, do we use? Uh, do we leverage debt now? Sure. But we have no credit card debt. We have no um, student loan debt, no car payments, things like that. The only debt we have makes is money, period. And so that's why it's so important to have that as your foundation, because. There's people that make way more than us and but aren't in the same position we're in because they have debts. If you have a job that makes you one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year but you also have a $100,000 student loan which with you know crazy interest your your spread isn't really that that great. You take an individual with no student loan debt that makes $60,000 and gets to keep all of it or most of it. They can do some things. They can invest a little more. They can, you know, so that's why we we really have that as our foundation and we never want to forget that although you know the goal that is step level one and the goal is to build wealth and to do those things that that bring that about so we're excited for you because we think that sharing this story it shows it shows you that anyone can do it if we can do it you absolutely can do it okay so i just want to encourage you you know to just take this step Take that step. Chug along one home at a time, one investment at a time, one, you know, disbursement at a time. One YouTube video at a time, whatever you're doing, if you're at the knowledge acquisition stage or if you're at the asset acquisition stage, just one at a time. I I posted something a few weeks ago on my Instagram that. No more no more quick, you know, fast expectation of things. Like, I'm not doing that no more because we see people and we just want what they have. But we don't want to go through the process that they took to get that. And I'm coming against that mindset going forward in my life. So everything that I do, I'm going to look at it as a five. To 10 year play or an investment. I'm not looking at results. I'm just looking at consistently doing the work. And in five to ten years, you will see results. In anything you do, if you started doing push-ups every day, say so every day I'm gonna do five push-ups. We do five push-ups every day. Do you know by year five, you're gonna see the results of that? If you say I'm going to post a YouTube video every week or every two weeks, I'm posting a YouTube video or every week I'm posting a podcast episode. It doesn't matter that by year two, you're not seeing crazy numbers or crazy results. What are you seeing by year five, year 10? I'm going to put $100 a month away. In a Roth IRA or something very simple. It doesn't matter that by year one, you're not a millionaire, but with what, what are you looking like if that consistency, you know, continues, what are you looking like at year five, 10, 15? It's all about consistency. Everyone you see successful did something consistently to get there. But with TikTok, with YouTube, you see these people that say, man, I just threw up a video or I just... You know, I was just I don't I just woke up one day and I can do X. That's not everyone's story. Those are outliers. So I encourage you. Take one step at a time. Uh, Shout out to Jay and Samira from Trailer Cash. I think Jay said. "Um, Imperfect. What did, what did he say? He said. Imperfect progress, not perfect progress, but just just progress is, is what it's all about. You want to be making sure you're doing something every day to get you to your goal. And you're doing it consistently. You're making consistent investments. You know what I mean? You're, you're, you're consistently hustling, you know, you want to do that because it's going to pay off at the end. And one day you're going to be able to sit back and reap all the benefits of that. But if you get lost in the work, and stop looking at the results i think you'll be better off it's cool to take step, steps back and celebrate man we did x we did but right now i'm ready for house number six um house number five is great i i really enjoyed telling my telling the story on these two podcast episodes but i'm ready for number six and then seven and so hopefully we've encouraged you to do the same y'all this is marcus man it's been a great episode i love talking to you guys thank you thank you so much Please do us a huge favor. Tell your friends and family about what we're doing here at Black Mary. they Free on the podcast. Leave us five-star reviews. We love you guys. And we're going to holler at you on the next one. So, for Shire and her absence, this is Marcus, and we're going to holler at y'all later. Peace.